Start the week with Tim and Damo on the Unmade Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Damien Francis. And I'm Tim Burrows. As we record, it's 7am on Tuesday morning in New South Wales. And it's 10 o'clock on Monday night for me in the UK. Today, the Twitter board capitulates to Elon Musk. Southern Cross Osterio is looking for a new CEO. And WPP goes big on commerce. Welcome back, Damo. Thank you, mate. Uh, I guess the important thing to ask, first of all, is... Uh, and this isn't to imply you had a particularly big Anzac day, but um, how are you feeling? I, I didn't have a big Anzac day, unfortunately, but I'm feeling I'm feeling well, thank you. Uh, as you mentioned in the previous podcast and, and best of the week, uh, I did join the COVID club. I didn't uh, ask for entry. It was just granted to me. Uh, I would suggest anyone uh, looking forward to joining the COVID club, but there's not much good to look forward to. But uh, for me personally, and I know it's quite different for a lot of people, it wasn't too bad. I've had worse illnesses, but a couple of days of, of symptoms and, and, a, and a week and a bit of fatigue and we're back and raring to go. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And tell me, how did you think Abe did standing in for you last week? Abe did. Oh, look, I, I wish I had Abe's voice for, for radio. That that was a, a fantastically soothing listen. It was great to, to finally see him on the other side of the podcast, which is great. <laughs> yes, that's uh, Abe from Abe's Audio, who does the production usually. Well, let's get to it. Um, Damo, where shall we start this week? Tim, let's have a look at SCA because there was a story yesterday about uh, the business, Southern Cross Osteria, looking for a new boss. That boss currently is Grant Blackley. Tim, what's going on there? Yeah, so this is one um, which appeared in Sydney Morning Herald and the Age, written by Zoe Samios. Now, it's very carefully written, and we should be clear up front, this doesn't mean that Grant Blackley has resigned or anything like that or been fired. But clearly uh, the fact that the the amount of space this has been dedicated to it is suggests it's slightly more than just routine. But what Zoe is reporting is that SEA has hired a recruitment firm to look around the industry for its next chief executive. So assessing internal candidates, assessing talent, uh, within Australia, I'm sure in the rest of the world as well, for when that moment comes. And I suppose the hint when one reads between the lines of the article is maybe that moment is coming sooner rather than later. You know, it, it, it makes the point he's had a very long run. I think if I remember right, it was 2015 15. he joined. So that's about seven years. Um, but the share price is is not in a great way. So the shareholders aren't seeing a massive return. In fact, they're seeing a kind of negative return on their investment at the moment. So you'd understand why there would be speculation about when the moment will come. Yeah, the article was mentioning that there'd been an 80% drop in share value since 2015. But that brings us to the big question of if indeed this is going to happen – contenders, Tim, who would be lining up for this role? Internally, I can't think of too many people, to be honest. The only person who you would expect the market would take seriously from that point of view sort of internally would be Brian Gallagher, who leads the sales side of things, has done for a very long time. 
and um, has actually done a great job. They've tended to outperform the market, even when ratings have struggled with some of the um, Southern Cross Austereo radio stations. That's the Triple M network and the what's now the Hit network. Um, they've tended to out-index the market and also done very well regionally. So been a, I, I guess the other sort of big tick for them has been the Boomtown initiative to bring more dollars into regional Australian advertising generally. So that feels like a strong contender. Given the performance of the radio networks and also one or two departures at the end of last year, it's hard to think that from the content side there'd be a, a, a contender. Outside is a bit trickier. If Rob Atkinson was still in the country then he would be somebody to think about. So he was the person who ran Australian Radio Network um, and he'd also been uh, in in the outdoor sector as well. So it was outdoor that brought him over to Australia in the first place. But he's back in the UK now, which is where he is from. And that was always the plan for family reasons. I found myself thinking about Cathy O'Connor, who's CEO over at O-Media, but spent a long time as boss at Lachlan Murdoch's Nova, so that will be an interesting thought. The only issue there is she's been at O'Media for not much more than a year, and arguably that would be too soon to move on. Hey, random thought was Clive Dickens, who is now over at Optus, worked over at Seven, very strong on the innovation side of things, particularly on the digital side of things, strong radio experience back in the UK, also experience with streaming. I'm not sure. I don't think he's had as much experience managing people and complicated industries. Another random thought with streaming background, Jane Huxley running our media, but X Spotify. And then the only other random thought is it, it still feels like there's a logic at some point of one of the outdoor companies coming together with one of the radio networks or possibly even more than one of those deals, which then puts QMS or O into play. Um, so you you also wonder whether actually, you know, not, not necessarily through the succession process, but you could yet see the boss of O, who, as I say, is Kath O'Connor, um, or possibly, you know, QMS might be the other potential kind of coming together at some point so so lots of lot lo, lots of different people in play and of course the headhunter's job would be to look overseas as well for people with experience running these uh complicated organizations overseas um the only thing though is is radio it's so much about advertising and understanding the advertising sort of um mecha- mechanisms um you'd almost think first you'd go towards the media agency side and look for a media agency boss uh, ready to make the uh, make, make you know make the move across, but the one thing I do know is whenever we do these roundups of possible successors, everybody always gets it wrong. It's always a dark horse. So you don't want to actually just name one person, then Tim put put your bets on the line. Look, we're going to be talking about my ability to make predictions in a few moments. I think so. Let's not make another one. Coming up next, Elon Musk closes in on Twitter. As we record this on Tuesday morning, it's starting to look like Elon Musk has got his hands on Twitter. Tim, that's not what you had predicted. No, no. In my prediction, oh gosh, I think it was only about a week and a half ago, my sense was it probably wasn't going to happen. It felt like his um, his initial buying of about a 9% stake felt a bit like showboating. He agreed to join the board. 
and then changed his mind and said he wouldn't, which was very Elon Musk sort of behaviour. You know, he's he's long been playful, I guess is the charitable word, on Twitter. But then he announced that he was going to make an offer for the for the whole thing, being Twitter, and he likes his kind of cannabis references. So he offered, you know, as a reference to four twenty, fifty four dollars twenty. The board initially appeared to be standing against that. They they argued that it was worth more. And for most of the last couple of years, Twitter has been at a much higher valuation than it is now. Um, they introduced a sort of poison pill defense, which means if someone comes in a um, kind of in a hostile way, they can effectively become diluted if they buy more than 15%, which slows everything down. And if you just looked at the behavior of the market a week and a half ago, the share price wasn't going up to anything like that um, 54.20, which was an indication that just no one was taking it seriously. But then he seemed to find some funding. And over the last day or two, that share price kept creeping up until a few hours before recording this, um, trading was suspended. And the board announced that they are going to recommend in a shareholders vote that that people should sell. So it's not it's by no means the final hurdle because of course, you know, shareholders still have the right to say no. And I I forget when it's a listed company what the threshold is. I my instinct is ninety percent, but it might be eighty percent or maybe even less in the US. So um with this one breaking just as we're recording, we haven't had a chance to look into that. But it it's starting to feel more likely than not. So this would end Twitter's run as a public company, which began in 2013. Uh, As you kind of alluded to as well, part of the issue there was Elon, surprise, didn't give much detail on on the funding itself other than he was going to put forward the money and and that was that. That's kind of where that detail ended. But it seems like a lot more detail has come to the fore now and will kind of come to the fore over the next 24, 48 hours. But what does this mean for Twitter now? How is it going to change? Because I guess in the context of what Musk was saying previously, which was all about free speech and, and letting Twitter really encourage some what you probably could describe as interesting conversations. And hey, we've seen that before in terms of Donald Trump and his truth social to try and get out of the, uh, maybe some would call it, PC, social media, will this fundamentally change what Twitter is and and how it works, Tim? Look, this is my instinct, which makes me feel not great about this, is, yeah, he's been talking the big game about, you know, effectively let anybody say anything. My instinct is that's not Twitter's problem. Twitter's problem is not too much moderation. It's not enough. You know, you can just see pylons and aggression to people often towards journalists actually you see a lot of the kind of sort of people from the mainstream media uh copying absolute abuse and getting you know getting driven off the platform as a result um i think the last thing you need is even more of a kind of wild west so that i think for me is the major concern is is if it's hey hey say what you like then it's enough of a cesspool already god knows what it's going to be like uh if all of the rules are gone Coming up next, Car Wars. Unmade. So next we turn to the automotive sector, one of Damien's specialist subjects now. 
up to now, this has been, I guess, a publishing and classified, classified advertising battle. But there's quite an interesting new move from Car Expert um, emerged over the last couple of days, which, which is kind of taking things in a new direction, Damo. Yeah, absolutely. So the team behind Car Expert, which is Albors Folar, Anthony Crawford, and Paul Marrick. Now, if you know those names, that's probably because they were also involved in Car Advice. And that was the business sold to Nine in 2018 for $65 million. Now, they've mentioned that they are putting forward a bid to buy Price My Car for $4 million, uh, which will be cash and uh, equity. And Price My Car is essentially uh, a solution for consumers to find out the price of their car and possibly sell it to dealers. Now, this is really interesting because before that, Car Expert was a reviews website for cars and news website for consumers. It was much like car advice, really, um, just without so many display ads, a slightly different business model. And it's worth making the point that car advice as a brand doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and that's, a, that's an excellent point. Nine decided that it was going to leverage the drive brand rather than the Car Advice brand. Of course, when it bought Car Advice, it had both brands. And I think a lot of the market was expecting that the Car Advice brand would win out. Certainly, Albors Falar and the Car Advice team, uh, now Car Expert, expected that and made uh, no bones about the fact that they weren't particularly happy with the decision. Uh, I've talked to them on the previous Mumbrella cast when I was at Mumbrella uh, about this, and they were very forward about it. But what this sees now is the team behind Car Advice in market as Car Expert rapidly building this brand into something far more than just a news and review site. And bear in mind, this is not a very old site either. This is essentially after 2018, when they've all decided to leave Car Advice to nine, they've started up Car Expert and already they're looking at uh, $5.3 million annual revenue by 2022, they're saying, growing to $57 million by 2027, which seems like a, a pretty big, uh, a big jump, but they are also uh, expecting to IPO quite soon as well. So there are big things on the horizon for Car Expert and a lot of gusto about this. And I guess if you're if you're nine, you, you must be looking at what they're doing yeah. and wondering what the play is. Yeah, and this one's interesting as well because they're sort of – this was um, dropped to the Australian Financial Review on – I think it would have been Monday. No, it was at the end of last week, wasn't it? The uh, 22nd, mm. which would have been Friday, I think. Um, uh, they're suggesting, yeah, that they're, they're looking to do one more round of fundraising first, um, $10 million dollars which seems like a fair bit pre-IPO. So I I must admit there's a tiny bit of me that thinks, mm, I'd want to see the books just to be sure that this isn't just them running low on cash and they're, they're talking a good game, that they actually, you know, there is a real route through to IPO. But the interesting thing I felt, I, I, or the other interesting thing I thought about this AFR piece was they talk about, you know, one of the, one of the things about Price My Car is it's taking them into the... What's the, the marketplace? Yeah, the marketplace, mm. which what that reminds me of is 
people in, in another one of the classified sectors in, in real estate, um, this is what people think that Anthony Catalano is going to be doing with his real estate view offering. It's not just going to be about, you know, mm property ads it's going to be about all those other services as well and again we saw domain signal something similar a week or two back as well so it does feel like you know people build the brand get the foothold as a media company but then if they want to get into the real money they have to become the full marketplace yeah and that's really important because you could have said that car expert was potentially a one-dimensional media brand uh, previously this this, if, if it goes ahead, changes that. And of course, it drives already there with classifieds has been for a very, very long time. Really important in the, the overall scenario of, of the car industry at the moment in, in terms of COVID saw the car, the automotive industry uh, do really well with people running out to buy second cars or, or renew uh, their, their cars. And what that meant was sellouts across the board. So significant uh, amounts of new car sales, used car sales uh, as well. The latest results from VFAX, uh, 1.2% increase year on year for the March figures. That's uh, 101,233 vehicles um, shipped to new uh, to consumers. Uh, And this is despite the fact that there are still semiconductor shortages there's still supply shortages uh, as well, and there's still the issues uh, with uh, from the war in the Ukraine at the moment with the supply as well. So battling a lot of issues but still selling a lot of vehicles, Marketplace is a great place to be. And just looping back as well, we should mention that there are other players as well, of course, and I suppose car sales would be the other major one. Absolutely. Listed company, car sales, massive play, and they are very much Marketplace first and then news and reviews second to back that up. But it is a crowded market, and there are new solutions in play as well, whether that's car subscriptions, whether that's car sharing as well, then you include mobility in that, Uber, et cetera, as well. So it's a really interesting space at the moment with a lot of competitors in slightly different areas as well. And anyone else? Yeah, absolutely. There's been plays from big companies as well as like eBay and and the subsidiary Gumtree as well. So there's a lot of big brands who have gotten into this, a lot of well-established brands as well. But if you're a car expert and you're trying to convince people to invest, you need to be filling out this play. Well, next, we look back on a seismic week for streaming. Unmade. So, Tim, since we last chatted... Netflix has lost a casual $100 billion in value. I'm pretty sure I was sick for a couple of weeks, but hey, I was fatigued and asleep a lot. Maybe I, maybe it was longer. Yeah, these things do happen fast when they happen. So if we wound the clock back six months, almost exactly six months, Netflix was at its peak in terms of market valuation, possibly its peak ever, was worth something like, $300 billion, and that's US proper dollars. So um, a really big and valuable organisation. The thing that changed last week was Netflix updated the market and said that it had just lost a very small number of its paying subscribers, something like 200,000, which in the context of more than um, 200 million around the world is a drop in the bucket. 
But what changed in terms of sentiment was that $300 billion valuation was really on the basis that Netflix would just grow forever. It was a rocket ship that was going to keep on going up. And it's not the case. It seems to have um, hit some sort of ceiling. Now, there are extra ways of bringing in revenue still. So they'll, they'll tighten up on passwords. So if you want to carry on sharing your password with every member of the family and, you know, eight different households around the country or possibly around the world, then you'll still be able to, but you'll be asked to spend a bit more money. And if you don't want to spend as much money at some point down the track, there may well be an advertising tier, so a new stream of revenue. So so that's Netflix kind of responding to what the market um, wants to see, which is new routes to growth. But, uh, but wow, I think it was a, a wake-up call for tech investors. Yeah, I found it fascinating listening to and reading the various views on whether Netflix is in serious trouble or everyone's just reading the numbers and panicking too much. One business which can't suggest that uh, a lot of the hype was because of a huge amount of subscribers during COVID uh, is CNN Plus, because that only launched around a month ago and has already been shut down, Tim. Yeah, so that broke last week as well. So as I say, it was a big week in streaming. Um, This is one of those things, and you'll know it's something, you know, I've, I've I've written about and also talked about, you know, in our own business over the years with with Mumbrella before now is the thing I always hate when I'm doing something with a media company is when you try something and it fails, but you don't get to find out or work out whether it was because of a bad strategy or bad execution. Now, because the plug was pulled on this so fast and it really was because of office politics, We'll never know whether it would have worked or not. So, so what happened was, um, CNN was owned by Time Warner. Um, you can see why they would want to have a streaming play. Everybody else was. There's suggestion that the consultants were telling them that's what they should do as well. So they decided to go for CNN Plus, invested heavily in streaming uh, programming that was, was, was going to be paid for. So, um, slowish start much like I think we've seen with um, in Australia with the Flash news service, uh, part of Foxtel Group, similarly slow start. The difference here, though, is there was a merger happening. So since then, you've seen CNN effectively change hands with Time Warner becoming part of Discovery in a kind of merged together entity, Warner Brothers Discovery. Now that wrapped up just a a few days ago. So it was a bit bizarre that despite the fact that the management at CNN knew they were about to be under new ownership, that they went for it anyway. Now, part of this kind of bigger conglomerate includes HBO, which includes HBO Max, which is a major player in streaming in various parts of the world, but not yet Australia. So the new strategy for the new organisation is seems to be one streaming service to rule them all with everything under one thing. So no separate, you know, no room to be a separate CNN brand. So they, they decided to just rip the, uh, rip the plaster off very quickly and just get on with it and make that call early doors. Um, 
And as part of the, the announcement, they announced there will be a managing director for Australia, New Zealand, Japan, um, coming over from the UK early next year, which certainly suggests when the current HBO output deal with Foxtel, which reportedly runs till the end of next year, when that wraps up, I think it'll be very unlikely there'll be another one, which then rises its own questions for what that means for Foxtel's content and and their streaming service binge. Coming up next, WPP goes big on commerce. Unmade. A development out of London over the weekend with WPP pushing into commerce logistics. Certainly not the first time We've spoken about uh, agency groups and commerce. Tim, you're going to have to explain this one a bit more to me because uh, I've been asleep apparently for the, the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one. I must admit I'm, I'm, I'm making the most of my time in the UK. So I have now got into this very kind of satisfactory habit of slipping out of the door around about lunchtime on a Sunday to my local co-op, picking the Sunday Times, then crossing the road to the local pub, ordering a pint of Guinness and reading my Sunday Times. Um, and yeah, there was an interesting piece in in, in, in this Sunday's um, suggesting that WPP, and obviously their main focus in how they're reporting it is the UK, but obviously the, the WPP as an organisation, a, a global one that includes being very big in Australia. And really, it seems to me that the wider context of this is, well, firstly, it's, it's worth summing up, which is a much bigger push into e-commerce. So this isn't just, you know, helping market your e-commerce offerings. It's, it's everything from the building of the websites, the fulfillment, the marketing, organizing the logistics and delivery. So it's a lot more than any other holding company has done in that space. Now, all of the holding companies are trying to reinvent themselves at the moment because they, they they see from one end the the threat or the challenge from the consultancies, um, and then from the other you see the the dollars to be made from traditional media through traditional creative are not there anymore. So you need to do something different. So it's going to be called Every Mile. Um, which is, you know, an interesting name. I had a quick look on the, on the, the UK trademark registration site and it, and that, that was registered to WPP in the UK back in February. So a fairly, a fairly recent name, but it certainly seems to be accurate. But, um, but if it works in, uh, in the UK and Europe, then, um, I'd be surprised if it doesn't come to Australia at some point. So Tim, you mentioned, Australia there seriously should we be expecting it in in oh, the coming months perhaps well here is my gift to the staff of WPP <laughs> if you brace yourself if you move really fast then you might be able to register the url everymile.com.au before some other bright spark does and you might be able to register the australian trademark everymile before some bright spark does, because this story has been up for nearly 48 hours now since it was published in the UK. And certainly as we're recording, the URL is available. I could have just gone on and bought it for $9.95 just to be a complete pest. And I haven't. Um, and nobody seems to, as far as I can see on the Australian trademark site, register the trademark locally yet. So, um, hey, I hope someone from WPP is, uh, is listening to the podcast. 
if I wasn't holding an iPad in one hand, a pen in the other, and trying to juggle the microphone as well. <laughs> but now that you've mentioned that to our millions of listeners, I'm sure that uh, someone may have done that. So there you go. Hot tip, WPP. Uh, Tim suggesting you probably should jump on that right now. Well, that is it from us for today. We would love to hear what you think of everything we've been talking about at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And look out for some big news later this week. Very exciting for us. We'll be announcing Unmade's first event. And it really is exciting for us. Um, We've also got the final episode of the audio version of my book, Media Unmade, this week. It's been 26 weeks. But we've just about got there. Well, again, I was asleep for about 24 of them, but I will be catching up on on all of them. And uh, we didn't mention it before, but just quickly, if you do want some more information on streaming, best of the week from the weekend, Tim's been at it again with the graphs. Uh, there's some great extra information there on Netflix and what, uh, the, uh, what the situation is there. So, Tim, well done on those graphs again. Well, thank you. I, um, I do love a good graph. You certainly do. Now, if you haven't given us a rating in the podcast catcher of your choice, please do so. It helps others find us. And today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. Thank you very much, guys, there. See you next time. Toodle pep. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.